Hey, this is Michael. Thanks so much for listening to Soma's podcast. Before this week's teaching, I just want to take a second and thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing and subscribing. It makes a huge impact. Enjoy the message. What's up, church family? How y'all doing? You good this morning? Awesome, man. I love your church. I love your pastors here, and it's an honor to be here. When you don't know, y'all are blessed to be a part of this house. Come on, man. Well, we're excited. Uh, but I live in Anderson, South Carolina, so I have a little bit of a country accent. We got some Anderson people in the house. Come on, somebody. We're family. Uh, but here's a little picture of my sweet family. That's Kathleen. I'm a blessed man. And this is our sweet little girl, Evelyn, who just turned one. Um, and they send all their love and blessings uh, to you guys here this morning as well. Uh, pray with me real quick, and then we'll jump into our scripture. King Jesus, this is your house. It's your word. It's your spirit here, God. And God, I, I just pray for those who are tired this morning, who are weary, who have a uh, thorn in their flesh. And God, I just pray that you would reframe our lens of how to view our pain in life, our suffering in life, and our thorns, God. Speak through me now. Have your way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, band. Y'all are incredible. Ooh, that's a good ending right there. Man, we all give it up for the worship team. Come on, somebody. It's amazing. I have unflexible feet. Anybody else have unflexible feet? No, it isn't very common. It's a very strange condition. Um, and how I walk around, I kind of, kind of waddle. Uh, it's like a Penguin feet is, is, is kind of how it looks. It's a very strange thing. I have unflexible feet. All the way through my life, I've asked the question, why do I have this weakness? It's a strange thing. Uh, when I was a small kid, um, I was on the swim team. And uh, we would do these kicking drills uh, that you had a kickboard in your hand and you would try to kick your feet as fast as you can. You'd point your toes and everybody would go forward except for me. I would go backwards as I kicked my feet. It was a very strange thing. I hated these unflexible feet. I was on the soccer team as a kid too, uh, which I was bad at every sport. It's like my mom was like, let's try another one. Because he stinks at that. It's like, yeah, I was, I was terrible at everything. Uh, but I was on the t- soccer team as a kid, and, and uh, the t- coach would say, all right, here's what you're going to do. Point your toe and hit the ball with your laces. You want to kick the ball with your laces. And I would try, and every time I would toe it. Every single time, because I could not bend my feet. I have unflexible feet. And probably, man, if we spend an hour or so Uh, just handing around this microphone to everybody in here, uh, that we'd probably have some hilarious weaknesses like that, that we'd all be like, oh, that's pretty interesting. That's that's really bad that you got to deal with that. But it's kind of funny and entertaining. But if we're honest this morning, I would also argue that we have some things in our life like that, 
uh, that kind of carry a little bit more weight to them. I'll go first. And a lot of you guys have heard my story already, uh, but just in case you haven't, I've always had a really bad speech impediment. Uh, As a kid, I could not talk hardly at all. The people would say, hey, what's your name? And I could not tell them my name. I would get hung up on every single word. If I was at a restaurant, I could not order food out loud. I'd have to write it down on a sheet of paper. And my life was one big pile of anxiety. Every place I went, I had sweaty hands and sweaty palms. And I planned my life around how to not talk to anybody because it was very um, hard as a kid. And then as I got older, man, I was like, if I've got this horrible speech impediment thing and I've got this anxiety going on and this emptiness in my soul, then i got to find something to calm me down. And eventually I smoked weed. And I was like, oh, this is is the solution. All right, I'll just smoke weed and I'll be fine. I'll be a hippie one day and it'll it'll be great. This will be my plan of life. But quickly, it was into harder and harder drugs. And as a 16 year old in high school, I was a heroin addict. Uh, I had to check into my first uh, mental institution. And as you can imagine, uh, that from that point, it only got worse. I was in and out of treatment centers trying to get sober. I could not get sober. I tried everything. I tried all the meetings. I tried every counseling thing and medication that, uh, that you could try on somebody. And I was still addicted. Up until... Uh, I was 20 years old, almost 21, and I got down to 100 pounds. So same height as I am now, but about 85 pounds lighter. And I was a hollow human being. Uh, I didn't have any pleasure in life, really. Um, And I ended up at uh, this place in Florence, South Carolina. Um, And I had tried lots of rehab centers before, but I thought, man, it's either homelessness or try one more treatment center, and I tried a treatment center. It was about a week in uh, that I was invited to a church service. I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't have any real understanding of who God was or higher powers or anything like that. But I heard there was going to be really cute girls and cool music, so your boy was in. I was a real catch at the time, too, right? 100-pound heroin addict in rehab. I was definitely going to find my bride that night. It's like, hey, let's go on a date to the rehab center. That sounds great. Uh, but that night, I went for the music and the girls, but God had different plans. I heard about a God that night who loves screwed-up people. And I heard about a God that night that laid down his life in order that I could have life. And I heard about a God that night that if I gave him all the broken pieces of my life, he could make it into something beautiful. At that time, I didn't understand all the complexities and the theological implications of Jesus and the crucifixion and the resurrection. All I knew is that my way wasn't working and I'm ready to give that way a chance. And I prayed to receive Christ that night 11 and a half years ago, and nothing has been the same since. He reached into my junk, and he pulled me out of addiction, 
and I have 11 and a half years clean now only by the grace of God. Yet, I love that story. Don't you guys love that story? It's like, I was a drug addict. I never did a, like I met Christ and now I'm perfect. I love that story, but that's oftentimes not exactly the story. About three months in, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to follow him the best I know how. And I start hearing the Holy Spirit say, I'm going to have you preaching. And I was like, no. Like, have you noticed, God, that your boy can't even order a hamburger at a restaurant? How am I ever going to speak? I have this crippling speech impediment, this crippling stutter that has hindered me my whole life. Are you aware, Lord, that I, that, that I have this? He was like, yes, my son, I'm God. I know all things. But he ultimately said, I made your mouth. I can do anything I want with you. It's like, well, I, I, guess we're, I guess we're in then. And slowly, over uh, the past, man, 11 years, he slowly healed my speech partially. Yet, as a preacher and a teacher of God's word, I still have a speech impediment. I still have anxiety when it comes to preaching and teaching. I I have anxiety when it comes to having even conversations with people sometimes because of this speech impediment. And over and over again, over these years, I've asked God, take this away. Please, will you take it away 100%? Please let me speak perfectly and eloquently and fluently. And over the course of time, he hasn't healed me. And it's caused me to ask this question. What is the purpose of human weakness? What is the purpose of our weaknesses? Because here's what I know, that it isn't just uh, you know, me that has a weakness. It's, it's all of us. All of us have weaknesses. Even if our Instagram accounts aren't going to show them. I don't know about you, but I like man, to act like I have it all together on my Instagram account, right? It's like I got a perfect marriage. I have a sweet little girl that is always extremely well-behaved and nicely dressed and never screams at me in my face, right? Like, like I, I, everything in my life is perfect. It's, it's our highlight reel. Yet, here's what I know about all of you and all of us is that all of us are weak. So here's my question this morning for you. What is your weakness? What is your weakness? Is it a physical ailment, how I have? Is it a health issue? Is it a a depression, anxiety, OCD, or another mental health issue? Is it your eyesight? Is it your age, or is it your spouse that's in the service with you right now? You're like, this is my thorn in the flesh right here. I brought him to church. You need to preach at this man right here. Preach to him. He's my thorn. Or is it a predisposition 
towards a certain type of sin in your life or temptation. What is your weakness? Because here's the question that I'm going to try to ask and answer this morning is, what is the purpose of weakness? What is the purpose of weakness? If you have a Bible, let's open the word. Uh, We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and read three verses. I mean, if you would, help me read them out loud. He's going to throw them on the screen right here and uh, that we can all read them together. Is that cool with y'all? All All right, I believe in y'all. I believe you're going to help me with this and you aren't going to leave me up here alone to read it by myself. You ready? One, two, three, read. So to keep me from becoming conceited, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore... I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The context of this passage is that Paul is an apostle, right? He hated Christians early on in his life. He actually persecuted Christians and killed Christians until he had this wild encounter with Jesus. And it flipped him. He was converted. And he had this wild encounter with Jesus, and he started preaching about Jesus and planting churches all over the world. And he planted this church in a place called Corinth. Now, Corinth was sketchy. It was like high society, tons of money, real sinful place. It's a whole lot like NYC or something like that, like planting a church right in the middle of NYC. And the scripture explains that when he planted this church, that he came with fear and trembling. It's a really crazy thing. Like He didn't come with lots of human wisdom and all this uh, sweet speech, except rather he came with fear and trembling, preaching Christ crucified. But something crazy happened as he started preaching in Corinth. The Holy Spirit fell on the people, and a church was planted there. A lot of lives were changed. A lot of people came to faith in Jesus all because of that. And a church was planted there, and he hung out for a while, and he raised up elders But eventually he left. He's like, all right, man, you guys got this. And he left and he was planting other churches. Quickly after he left, though, that these false apostles came into Corinth. Now, the false apostles uh, were incredible orators. Like they were super fluent, had all these crazy sermon illustrations, and they were incredible. Yet, that they had all these uh, crazy visions and all these 
charismatic expressions and that they were ragging on Paul because he wasn't a great speaker and had some sort of weakness. Now, the scripture isn't very clear on what exactly that weakness was, and I think that there's a reason for that. I think it's in order that you and I are able to read ourselves into this scripture. There's a lot of scholars that say, hey, it was probably a physical ailment of some sort, like his eyesight or something with his speech. But it also could have been persecution or oppression or even certain types of temptations. The people of Corinth, the church of Corinth, ultimately wanted a speaker and a leader that fit its mold of the surrounding culture of high society, great orators and all these types of things. Yet Paul is pointing them to the way of Jesus instead. He's ultimately responding to these claims and saying, hey, I've had great revelations as well, yet I'm humble about it. And that he's explaining about the, uh, the weakness that he has and the thorn in the flesh, he calls it, and he's saying, this thorn has a purpose. And ultimately, I want to tell us all here this morning that as well. Your weakness is not purposeless. It has a purpose. There is purpose in your pain, Soma Church. Small side note here, though, that Paul isn't trying to explain in this passage all human suffering. He's not saying these are the three reasons everyone suffers all the time, right? But he's explaining his own experience. Yet, I believe that as we read about his experience, as we study these scriptures real quick, that it will encourage you and I as we wrestle with our own human weakness as well. So, question, what is the purpose of weakness? I've got three points. Here's point number one. The point of weakness is ultimately to make us more like Jesus. The point of your weakness and ultimately that Paul gives us right here is in order to make us more like Jesus. When I was a kid, uh, we had hardwood floors all over our house and hardwood frames around our door. And I was a crazy child. I was a wild child. And uh, I would run through our house all the time, screaming and doing stuff. Um, And now I have a little girl that takes after me. So praise the Lord for that. But I would run through the house. And uh, when I was, I think, about eight or so, I was running through the house one day. And I came up. um, And my plan was that I was going to hold on uh, to the door frame and swing myself around. And I was going to run the opposite direction. As I approached, though... A splinter had come out of that hardwood frame. It was about a five-inch splinter. Just want to give you a heads up. This is going to be kind of grimy. And I ran up, and how I put my hand hit it at the exact wrong position, and it went under my fingernail 
and up into my finger under the skin. It was worse than you're picturing in your mind right now. You have an image? This is bad. No, no, it's worse. Like, I screamed bloody murder and was just, ah, right? I screamed. I think as I read this scripture uh, for a long time, right, that I thought it was like a little splinter, right? Oh, his thorn in the flesh. What he's telling us is we need to get over our weaknesses. It's not that bad, guys. It's, it's just a little sand spur on the beach in your feet. You just need to, just need to take it out and it's fine. But I don't think Paul is really doing that at all. And I think what Paul is doing is he is actually explaining to us, yes, I understand your pain, and it is painful. I think it's a whole lot more like that five-inch splinter heading under my fingernail than it is a small little splinter that you can tweeze out. And he explains here in verse number seven, Uh, the reason why he has this thorn in the flesh. And it's in order to keep him humble, to make him more like Jesus. And he explains why he needs to be kept humble as well. And he explains up here in uh, verses 2 and 3 that he had had these wild visions. Uh, He was called up into the third heaven, it says, into paradise. Now, who's ever been there to the third heaven? Eric, have you been to the third heaven? Nope. To paradise. For a long time, I read this passage and was like, well, I'm not Paul, bro. Like, I've never been to the third heaven. I've never been to paradise except for Cancun that one time, which was pretty dope. It was very close. And I think, man, like, I haven't had a revelation like this. But I would argue this. That if you're a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus, you've had an incredible encounter with Jesus. That scripture says that if you're in Christ, the spirit of God literally lives inside of you. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit and you have this word. The Old Testament and the New Testament, all breathed out by God that is inspired. This is the word of God, and you've got that. And you have 2,000 years of church history and millions and millions of lives that have been changed that all of us can look back on and say, man, he's real. And I would argue that your revelation of Jesus and his kingdom is greater than or equal to Paul's incredible revelation as well. And I heard a pastor say this one time, and I'm going to let y'all try this to each other because it's just fun to say. He said this, your thorn is evidence of the anointing. Try it. Tell your neighbor, the thorn is evidence of the anointing. Oh, y'all being quiet this morning. Try it again, except this time use the accent that I'm using. The thorn is evidence of the anointing. That was a little bit better. That was a little better. We're going to have to work on that for next time I come. But I think this, and I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. And I think a huge reason why uh, that you may be experiencing the pain and the suffering that you may be experiencing in your life is because of the calling God has on your life. That... 
possibly that thing that's in your life, that thorn, that weakness is there ultimately because he wants to show you more of himself. And he's got a calling for you that he's got to keep you humble in. would argue this too, that here in America especially, we need more humble followers of Jesus. That as our culture is heading away from Christ and his kingdom, we need people who are not proud zealots, yet humble followers of Jesus who look and talk and act like Jesus. I mean, what is the purpose of our weakness? Well, one is that it makes us more like Jesus. Here's point number two. Our weakness is a conduit of the power of God. Our weakness is a conduit of the power of God. It explains this in verse 8 and 9. It says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should lead me. Yet he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about Paul for a minute. In his... 14 plus years of preaching and teaching and planting churches, he had seen crazy healings over and over and over again. He had prayed for people and cancer was gone. He had prayed for people and, you know, crazy healings had happened. Yet at the one point in time where he needed healing, it didn't come. And I'm... (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, I'm like, I God, right? All these people I'd laid hands on and, and healing came and your power was moving in such profound ways. And then I'm asking for healing. All the elders have prayed for me. I've asked for Peter even to pray for me. And the healing hasn't come. But it's interesting how Jesus responds. He says this, that my grace is sufficient for you. When I was about three years clean, uh, I was working at a church as an apprentice, and and uh, I was just grateful to be alive, honestly, and and just uh, happy to follow Jesus. Um, we have a campus; uh, it's about five hours away from our uh, you know hub location, the broadcast campus, um, and I. Um, had a bunch of interns who that I was going to take all the way to the Myrtle Beach campus early one Sunday morning. So like four in the morning, all of us pile in this church van, and I'm driving, right, because that's what uh, type A people, one on the Enneagrams, have to drive everywhere you go. Is that anybody in here? It's like, I'll drive you in your car. You know what I mean? I just got to have control over the situation. Anybody else? Okay, like three of us that uh, you know, need counseling. Um, so, hopped in the church van, and I'm driving, and it's like 4.30 in the morning. We got our coffee going, all the worship music playing, just like, yes, we're going to church. And uh, we had to come through Pelzer. Do you all know where Pelzer is? Has anybody ever spent time in Pelzer? Come on, somebody. Like, three stoplights, small town, it's amazing. Uh, but we're coming through Pelzer at like 4.30 in the morning. 
and uh, that it's like 35 speed limit there, right? So it's super slow, and there's this truck who's right in front of us that's going snail speed, about 35 miles an hour probably, right? It's like this man is going so slow. So I made the decision, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm just going to go around him. I know it's a double yellow, but it's 4.30 in the morning. Ain't no cops out here. We're going to be totally fine. And I made that decision. I whipped around him. I was going like 70 miles an hour. I pulled back in front of him, and I slowed down. And I literally say out loud, I hope there's no cops around. <clears throat> yeah, famous last words, right? As I say that, I see blue lights in my rear view mirror. Pull over, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm definitely fired at this point. The church is definitely firing me. But I pull over and uh, the officer comes up and he says, hey man, I need your license and registration. An hour later, he comes back to the window. And he says, hey man, will you hop out of the car real quick? I was like, yeah, I'm getting arrested, aren't I? This is not good. I hop out of the car and he says, hey, did you know that you had an active um, arrest warrant right now? I was like, yes, sir, man, I have a past an addiction. I've been clean three years. I'm working at this church now, trying to get my life back together. And I have a lawyer working on my case. And he says, all right, hop back in the car. A few minutes later, he comes back up, and he explains all the things that I was about to get arrested for. <laughs> He's like, man, you have a warrant. Um, you were speeding like twice the speed limit plus some. Uh, that's like eight points on your license, $1,200 fine, all these things. And he listed out, out loud in front of all my friends. Like, thanks, bro. Thank you so much. Couldn't you have just kind of told me privately? And as I'm hearing all that and my heart's racing, I'm getting ready to be handcuffed. He says, but here's what I'm going to give you. And hands me a small traffic violation, $85 fine, without any points on my license, and says, have a nice day. And in that moment, I got a taste of the grace of God like I've never experienced in my life. I mean, it was a huge reminder of that's what the gospel is. All these things that are against me, I have sinned, all of us have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God, and I've done some terrible things. And what Jesus did on all of our behalf is that he says, I don't hold that against you anymore. You can go free. And oftentimes that's how we view the grace of God. Right? Is that he delivers us out of our suffering. Yet here in this text, it seems that Paul is explaining that there's times that his grace also delivers us through our suffering. responds to Paul by saying, man, my grace is sufficient for you. And then he goes on, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul's explaining here that it's not his oratory swag or his skills that truly show off the power of God. It's his weakness. We are like jars of clay. His power is not from us. It is in us and through us. What is the purpose of our weakness? Oh, it's one 
to make us more like Jesus. Two, it's a conduit of the power of God. And three, it is for his glory. For the glory of God. Explains this in verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with all my weaknesses, the insults, hardships, persecutions, and all the calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. About five months in uh, to preaching, I was preaching at, you know, all the small FCAs at schools with like three kids. Uh, I was preaching at home groups with like five people. I was preaching anywhere the Lord would open up a door. About five months in, though, I had a friend who was running Clemson FCA. It's like 2,500 college students, and I was invited to preach. I was like, yeah, here we, here we go. This, this is the moment, right? I'm going to preach at Clemson FCA. It's going to go amazing. Lives are going to be changed. The kingdom of God's going to advance, and I was so excited. And I get up there, and it is the worst I've ever preached in my life. The speech impediment flared back up in just a profound way, and I could not get words out of my mouth. Just hesitated and stuttered and stammered all the way through the message. I preached Jesus, but it was like, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what happened. And at the end of the message, I was like, man, I don't even think I should give an invitation. That was so bad. I'm just ready to get off the stage. But the Holy Spirit was like, not nah, give the invitation. know these scriptures that say my weakness is powers made perfect and all that I, I get that God I'll, I'll do the invitation and as I gave the invitation I was very taken aback because hundreds of people responded to the gospel hundreds it was the absolute uh, the worst message I've ever preached in my life and also the most people I've ever seen respond to the gospel at one time in my entire life Who do you think had all the glory for that? I think it was me. You think people walked away thinking, man, Chris is such a great orator. No, hell, heck no. He got the glory for it. Because in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. He explains here, I love uh, you know, this word. As I was prepping for this message, man, I felt like this word jumped off the page. And it says this in verse 10. For the sake of Christ, then I am content. Uh, the NIV translated uh, you know, that same word to take pleasure in. Paul is explaining here that when we have a kingdom view on things, a kingdom lens, that we will understand that our Pain and all of our weakness has a purpose that's from God. Our culture is so pain averse and comfort addicted. Yet, as Jesus followers, our highest aim in life is not to be comfortable, yet, His kingdom advancing, His glory advancing, and us to be conformed into the image 
Jesus. And this is accomplished in our weaknesses. And man, over the past few months, I have relearned these realities in my weakness. Here's what I've learned. Is that as I view this world and all my weaknesses through the lens of a pain-averse, comfort-addicted, it's got to be perfect, everyone's got to perform cultural lens, I'll crumble under the weight of my weakness. Yet, as I change my view on things and that I really view things through a kingdom lens where the highest aim is our sanctification, his glory, and kingdom advancement, then we can actually take pleasure in our weaknesses because we know that that's the avenue that best accomplishes his purposes. Our way of viewing the whole world and our weaknesses has to be switched from a human lens into a kingdom lens. And then he ends this whole passage here explaining, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And man, I want to free you up here this morning. If you're here in church, people are great at this. And you just are trying to hold it together, trying to be strong in yourself, trying to look perfect here at church on Instagram and, and everywhere else in life. You're trying to hold it all together. Man, I can't show my weakness. I've got to show my strength. I've got to look the part, play the part. I've got to perform. I've got to be perfect. I want to free you up. You can breathe. You don't have to be perfect. Oh man, that you don't have to be strong in yourself either, but strong in grace and weak in yourself. What is the purpose of our weaknesses? Well, it's to make us more like Jesus. It's a conduit of the power of God to flow, and it is for his glory. The perfect example of this is obviously Jesus. How did he come to earth? Man, it wasn't as a king or so strong with all this power, but he came as a baby. In the, uh, the weakness of human flesh, it says in Philippians 2. And how he changed the world wasn't to snatch power and to be this great politician, but rather to be crucified on a cross. In ultimate shame and weakness and embarrassment, Jesus was hung on a cross, didn't have any clothes on. And how he saved the world is through weakness. And this is how the kingdom of God works. It's upside down from how our world views progress and power and these things, and it's upside down. It isn't through strength, it's through weakness. And man, I just want to encourage you with this as well. what he accomplished on 
the cross is eternal life. And ultimately the promise of that is even if you spend your whole life with a weakness or with pain and suffering, a health condition or or anything else you're struggling with, one instant in eternity as he returns, one instant in glory will make it all worth it. Because scripture says that in his presence there is the fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in eternity, we will be completely reconciled to that God of the universe forever. Let's pray real quick if you can. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads as we close? Father, I pray right now that you do what only you can do. uh, That you would heal people. uh, That you would help us uh, to persevere. God, it's easy to try to get off of uh, the altar as a living sacrifice and a a retreat into comfort. But you've called us uh, to be living sacrifices. And God, I pray that you would lead us all back to resurrender, to hop on that cross. Man, as we close with heads down and eyes closed, man, for some of you, your action step today is uh, to know that you can breathe. That you don't have to be perfect, uh, that you don't have to play the part and act like you have it all together, but you can breathe. that I always try to give a formational practice at the end of every message. And the one for this one is, is you know, confession. Is it on an ongoing basis uh, that you can um, talk of your weaknesses, speak of your sin, that you don't have to look like you have it all together. For some people here, that your action step is you need to actually ask for healing. That there's some people uh, that Paul asked for it, asked for it, and then asked for it again. And that you don't have to jump to, all right, I just got to suffer right away. You can ask God for healing. He's still in the business of healing people. I mean, I believe he's going to do some of that right now today. And then for others of us here, Uh, Your action step is you need a relationship with Jesus. Like me, 11 and a half years ago, that I walked into that church for a different reason, yet he met me there and he changed my life forever. And I just believe that's going to be what happens here this morning for some of you guys. If that's you, uh, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer here in a minute. It isn't the prayer that saves you. It isn't if you get all the words right, then you're a Christian. It's a heart posture of, I surrender. I know I'm weak in myself. I can't be good enough on my own, but I'm trusting in Christ, Christ crucified. He's here, he's listening. That's you. Pray something like this in your heart to him. You don't have to speak it out loud. He hears you. 
You say something like, Heavenly Father, I need you to save me. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose from the grave. I repent of my sin and I place my faith in you, Jesus. Have my life. I'm all in. With all heads down and all eyes closed, if that's you this morning um, and that you just prayed to receive Christ, I'm the only one looking around. Would you put your hand over your head for me in order that I just know that you prayed to receive Christ? Awesome. Anybody else? Man, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. Come on. Come on. Amen. Anybody else? Beautiful. Beautiful. For the three or four of you that just raised your hand, would you kind of look up at me real quick? One, I'm proud of y'all. And also two, tell somebody before you leave Uh, because this is not the finish line here of following Jesus. This is the starting block. And here's the beautiful thing is that you have a church family here who can't wait to come alongside you and to help you keep following Jesus. All right, so let's hop on our feet real quick if you don't mind. And let's head back into worship and praise Jesus for all he's doing. Love you guys.